You know, um, one of the things that I pray that we always remember and that our church, as, as, as we walk with the Lord, as we serve the Lord, that we remember that it's normal for God to speak to us. You know, it's interesting because we live in this uh, sophisticated culture that, that we, we are so technologically advanced that sometimes we, uh, people in our world will go, oh, you mean God spoke to you? Okay, wh- whatever. But I, I want us to recognize that all through history, God has spoken to people. And God speaks to us today, I mean now. And it's my prayer that even this morning, God will speak to us. And every time we come and open up God's word and as we gather together, I, th- I think God speaks. And, and it's important for us to learn to pay attention to his voice and to recognize it and to follow it and to, and to respond to his voice. And, um, and you know, th- this is normal. In, in, in these Old Testament stories, we're in Genesis. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 32. It's where we're going to be today. But, but these stories in Genesis are so important. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, um, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and he's saying to them, we need to learn from the lessons of Israel. Because these these stories are are written so that we can learn about God and learn about how the Lord has spoken and how God continues to speak and 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 this is very important work that we're doing over the last I mean just as we look at these Old Testament stories in Genesis and because God is teaching us about Him and and helping us learn to recognize His how He moves in our lives and 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 God speaks to to people and 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 God has called us. And God is constantly calling out to us. And it's my prayer that we learn to pay attention. And I want you to think about the last time God called to you and spoke to you and, and revealed himself to you. And this morning, if you have your notes, I'd love for you to pull those out because we're going we're gonna to jump into those right away this morning. Uh, I, I want us to understand that God is actively calling people. And it's my prayer even today that he, he calls you and, and me. Now, I'm not just talking about the call to salvation. I'm talking about a call in, in your life, to, the, the call all the time. He, got, he speaks to us. I can look back in my, my 47 years of life, and there were many moments that God had call, God called me to different things. I remember specifically uh, it, I, God called me to, to be a pastor when I was 15, and I was like, all right. I'm ready. I'll do it. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And, and then I remember uh, my, my, fr- my sophomore year of college. It's the fall of my sophomore year. And I had the opportunity to go be a youth pastor, a youth minister at a church. I was 19 years old. I was scared. I was like, Lord, I, I don't know that I can do it. I was so terrified. And, and I, I was like, Lord, I, I I don't think I don't want to teach the wrong thing. I don't want to lead people in the wrong way, and I was scared about that. And and I felt like God was saying, "I want you to go." And so, even though I was afraid, even though I didn't know how it was going to work out, I, I did. I went, and it was in, incredible. It was an incredible adventure. And, and and I pray that we recognize that the that when when we as as his as people respond to the voice of God, it is, it is incredible. It, it's the best life you could ever imagine. And you'll hear me say over and over again, when you follow Jesus, it is the greatest adventure you'll ever take. And I, and I pray that we are full of people who follow Jesus and we inspire people to, to follow Jesus like we follow Jesus. Now, 
When God calls, I want us to see point number one today is this, that, that God's call is personal. And I love it how God comes to us individually. That, that God, there's some similarities to, our, to the call of God. I mean, we, we know the, the tenets of the gospel, the points of the gospel, that, that we're sinners, that Christ came um, and he was sinless and he went to the cross, he died for our sins, he rose from the dead uh, and he conquered the grave and the Holy Spirit's at work. But, but, but you know what's interesting is that the Holy Spirit comes to each of us individually. Isn't that amazing? That God would know your name and come and speak to you and, and know where you are in your life. And God, God's call is personal. And so, so I, I, there's a, there, there are three questions that are on my heart today. As I prayed through this message, these three questions kept coming to my mind. The first one is this, have you ever had a turning point moment? Like a turning point moment. A moment where you said, okay, I'm going to do this and I'm turning and, and, I'm gonna, and, and my life is going to change from this moment forward. Have you ever had one of those moments? I mean, I've had many moments that were turning points. But, but you know, I, I can remember as a young boy coming to faith in Christ, uh, my mom led me to Christ. It was a turning point moment for me. Now, I was eight years old, and, and you know, I, I, I mean, I hadn't done too many bad things in eighth grade when I was eight years old. But, but the reality is I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was selfish. I knew, knew these things. I knew that I had uh, rebelled against God. And, and be, but all through my life, I've had other turning point moments. And, and when, was the, when was your last turning point moment? Another question on my heart today is, do you know God or do you know about him? You know, that, that's a poignant question because we're looking at the story of Jacob today. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. Isaac's, one of Isaac's sons. And, and, and you know, he, he heard those stories and he knew about God. But this story in Genesis 32 is the moment that he came to know God. One of my prayers for my own children as they grow up in my home is that, is that they don't just possess the faith of their parents, but they have their own faith that they have their own uh, moments where they've trusted in God. And, and this is why it's been our prayer, Robin and I as mom, as a, as a father and a mother, to, to put our kids in situations where they had to learn to trust God. And they had to learn to follow him, that they had to depend on the Lord. We couldn't rescue them from everything, and, and, and we still can't. And, and, and there are moments we'll look at them and say, hey, you have to trust the Lord with that. I can't rescue you. You ought to lean on the Lord. And it's my prayer that, that my own children and our kids that are growing up that were at Bible school this week, that, that they come to understand that, that they need to trust the Lord, that they don't just have their parents' faith, but they have their faith in God. And so my question, do you know God or do you just know about him? I meet people all the time that know about him but don't know him. John 17, 3 says, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ in whom you have sent. Eternal life is knowing God, not just knowing about him. So my prayer is that, that, that we don't have anybody that comes to church here just saying, oh, well, I went to church, so I'm going to heaven. I don't want you to just know about God. I want you to know him. And that's what God's called us to, God's called us to know him. A third question that's on my heart, and this is, I don't know why this question kept coming to me, 
but, but it's this. Is, is your relationship with Christ convenient or is it penetrating? And, and for some reason, I couldn't get away from that that comparison of, uh, you know, I, I meet people all the time that, that say they want church and they want their walk with God to be convenient. But, but let me tell you something. When you follow Jesus, it's rarely convenient. Um, it's, it's often inconvenient. I mean, we're called to, to, to give. And, and, and it's been amazing this week to watch the, the people in our church that are giving that have served, that have struck this stage with VBS and, and loaded it up and put it at, at Calvary. I guess Calvary's that way, I think. I don't know which way it is. I'm kind of turned around right now, but wherever it is. Um, and and they, they took it down there, and, and, and my goodness, I was up here Saturday, and here's Bud Rodman. I think he slept here this week. And, uh, um, but, but, you know, it's not been convenient. Often serving the Lord is not convenient. And I want to ask you a question. Is your relationship with God convenient? Or is it penetrating? Because, you know, when, when Christ moves in you, it penetrates your heart. It, it changes your life. It, it, you adjust to the Lord. And, and, and you know, um, every time God has spoken to me, I've noticed that it, it changes my plans. You know, sometimes we want, uh, we, we, I've, I have been the worst at this, saying, God, this is what I want to do. And God's like, look, join me in where I am working. And that's what I pray we experience on a, on a daily basis as we serve the Lord together in this place. That, Lord, we're going to join you in where you are working in the world. And that's the greatest adventure we could ever imagine. And so that's an important question to ask, is, is our... Relationship with Christ, convenient or is it penetrating? Now, uh, before we get into Genesis 32, I want to dive into some context because we're, we're going to uh, rub shoulders with, with Abraham's grandson, Jacob. Now, Isaac and Rebekah, they had two sons. And, uh, and, the, and, and like God had promised Abraham, your, I'm going to bless your offspring and, and you're going to be able to count them and they're going to outnumber the stars of the sky. And, and we see how God has, has fulfilled that promise. This is a very important story in, the, in all of Scripture. And, and Jacob and Esau, Esau was the oldest son. And if you, know the, uh, if you read through the story, I would challenge you to go back and read through it. We're going to kind of skip ahead, but let me give you an overview. Uh, when uh, when Isaac's wife was having babies, they were they were twins. I guess you could say they were womates, uh, if if you will. I'm just kidding. I heard heard that this week. I thought it was kind of funny, but um, um, they they were twins. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm not. A, I shouldn't tell jokes, but um, um, but as Esau was born first, and. And, you know, it's funny how they named people back then. Uh, you know, they just would be practical, and Esau means hairy. Um, so he was hairy when he came out. Oh, he was going to be hairy. And, and, and uh, so, but as he was coming out of the womb, Jacob was holding on to his heel. And, and, and you know, so they said, Jacob, he's the heel grabber. That's what he's named. That's what we're going to name our son, heel grabber. Uh, I guess they were real practical. But, um but when you look at these two two guys, it's interesting because um, 
Isaac kind of favored Esau. He liked Esau better. He favored him, which was a, you can look at that, and that's an interesting study on parenting, on how it's not great to favor your children. But Isaac favored Esau. Uh, Rebecca, she favored um, she favored Jacob, and 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 so Esau was was you know as a as a as a I mean, we we started hunting. My son and I hunted a little bit, and and so, um, but you know Esau was a hunter. He was like he would gut things and skin things, and 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 Isaac liked what what Esau would would make for dinner. I mean, I, I see it as Esau Esau being a big barbecue guy. Okay, and uh, so he could barbecue, and and so he he reminds me of when I when I think about Esau, I think of Duck Dynasty, the guys, you know, the um, Joe McKean with the big beard, and Esau would I guess would be like Brennan now. Okay, he's the uh, the the smooth face, the baby face. The um, uh, you know Esau would would like Duck Dynasty and all the hunting shows. He'd probably be a bow hunter, you know. Uh, shooting those carp in the middle of the night or something. I, I, Esau was a man's man. And Jacob, he probably would, would fall into the, I like cake wars or something. You know, I like, he was kind of a, a mama's boy. You know, he, 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 he liked to hang out in the kitchen and, and, and you know, wasn't, who didn't want to get too dirty. And so it's interesting as you look at those guys. And, uh, you know, it's, as, as they grew up, they, they had a lot of conflict Esau had some issues, had some struggles. He, there was one day that um, Jacob was making a stew, and Esau was really, really hungry. And uh, he went to Jacob and said, hey, uh, let me have some of your food. And, 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 and uh, Jacob looked at his brother and said, well, I don't know that I want to give you some of my food. He goes, well, come on, let me have some, some of my food. He goes, okay, sell me your birthright, and I'll give you some of my my stew. He's like, oh, no problem. You can have my birthright. I don't care. And, and he, he did. He sold his birthright over a bowl of stew. You know, Esau was this guy that didn't, you know, he just was worldly. He didn't really value these eternal things. That was a big deal to sell your birthright. And he did. And, 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 and Jacob kind of manipulated him. Jacob was a manipulator. And that was his pattern in his life. And and, uh, you know, when, when the birthright was a big deal because if you were, had the birthright, I mean, Esau was the oldest, he had the birthright, you got a double portion of your father's blessing, you would be the spiritual leader of the family, and Esau kind of sold it over a, over a pot of stew, a bowl of stew. And the Bible talks about how, um, you know, you shouldn't, Hebrews 12, 18 says, warns us, don't be like Esau. Don't be flippant like Esau. And um, it's interesting. Um, Jacob, though, he, he continued that habit of manipulation. And, and uh, you know, the story goes, as um, Isaac was dying, he was blind. He couldn't see. And, 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 and he says, to, Isaac says to Esau, I want you to go kill me. Make that barbecue you made for me. I really like that. And I'm going to give you my blessing. And, you know, Rebecca overhears this, probably because you can overhear stuff in a tent. They lived in a tent, so it wasn't hard to not hear it. And so, so she says to, to Jacob, hey, look, Jacob, come here. I'm going to help you. Let's, I want you to have the blessing. Jacob manipulates this whole situation, takes matters in his own hands. He, he cooks a quick stew. He, he uh, 
puts an animal skin on his hand and, and his arm, and, he sit, and, and, and Rebecca says, go into your dad, and, and you get the blessing. And, and he goes in and acts like he's Esau. I mean, I don't know how that worked out if he walked in and said, oh, dad, uh, here I am, Esau. You know, or I don't know how Esau talked, but I'm sure he didn't have a high voice. Okay, I, Jacob seems like a girly man kind of guy. And uh, so and, and Isaac was blind. He couldn't see. He goes, well, uh, you're back already. He goes, yeah, the Lord bless me, Dad. And he said, okay, uh, uh, well, let me touch you. And so he had gotten some animal skins and put on his arm, put on his body. And he's like, here, Dad. And I mean, think about that. I wonder what kind of animal it was. We don't know. But, but Esau had to have been hairy if he put an animal skin on his body and said, see, Dad, okay, you feel like Esau. And he probably, he had to, probably had to get something that stunk. I see Esau stinking. He's like, okay, you smell like Esau. Okay, uh, you must be Esau. So he gives him the blessing. Esau comes back with the food. And, his, and Isaac says, oh, no, oh, no, I've already given you the blessing. So the story continues, Esau's angry, angry with his brother for stealing the blessing, and he says, I'm going to kill him. Uh, Jacob then gets out of town, leaves, goes to visit his uncle Laban. Esau, this manipulator, this master manipulator, is now meets Laban, his future father-in-law, who was the master manipulator. Then, Esau, then Jacob, he, you know the story of Jacob and Laban, and he meets this girl named Rachel in one of the most beautiful parts of Scripture. When he, when he looks at Rachel, he falls in love with Rachel. She's the younger daughter of Laban. Remember that story? And, 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 and uh, Jacob goes to Laban and says, I want to marry Rachel. I, I, and, and Laban says, okay, uh, if you want to marry my daughter, we have a custom here that you have to work for me for seven years. Jacob's like, no problem. I'll work for you for seven years. You know what the Bible says about that seven years? Jacob loved her so much that that seven years was like a day to him. It's a beautiful picture of his love for for Rachel. Well, then he worked the seven years, and here comes the marriage. And I don't know how this happened, um, but all of a sudden they have the wedding, and, and, and they have the wedding night. And then Jacob wakes up, and it's not Rachel. It's Leah. Now, I don't know how that worked out. You have to study that on your own. I still can't figure that out. But he he wakes up, and he's mad. He's like, Laban, what would you do to me? You gave me your older daughter. The Bible says about Leah, she was not uh, pleasing to the eyes, meaning she was a... She was from the side of the family tree that didn't fork, maybe. I don't know. But um, uh, she was uh, not that pretty, okay? And he's mad. He's like, wait a minute. I'm, how did, why did you give me Leah? I wanted Rachel. And he said, well, hey, it's a custom. We, don't, we, we give our first daughter first. And, and so, oh, shoot, I've got to marry her. Well, then he gets, finally gets Rachel, and, and, and now he has these sons, and his life grows. And, and there's all kinds of manipulation through that. And it's interesting because Jacob, the manipulator, gets manipulated, and his story continues. And now, Genesis 32, we find Jacob leaving Laban, and he goes back home. He's going back home to confront Esau, and, and he's scared. He's nervous. And all through this time, you know where Jacob is. Jacob knows about God, but he doesn't know him. 
And in Genesis 32, we see the moment where Jacob comes to know God. That's interesting because as he prepares to meet his brother who he'd wronged, he, um, he sends a messenger out to go meet, uh, meet Esau. And, he, and, and Esau is on his way with 400 men. And, and Jacob is scared. Jacob's like, I'm going to die. So he divides his camp into two. And he's like, maybe if, if I divide my group into two, only one of us would die and the other would survive. And, and, uh, and then so he makes this, he's like, look, I've, I'm pretty wealthy now. I've got all these crops. So he starts sending these gifts ahead of him to, to his brother to confront him over and over again, the, these gifts that he's giving. And he's, and he's just doing whatever he can to make amends with his brother. And then in Genesis 32, it's, it's late at night, and Jacob's restless. And I don't know if you've ever been there. Have you ever been in, in this moment in your life when you're confronting your own mistakes? You're, you're laying in bed, and you're like, all that's before you are all your failures, all the wrongs you have done. And you feel like they're catching up with me right now. This is where Jacob is in Genesis 32. All his wrongs are catching up with him in this moment. And he is terrified, afraid. He is, he's like, my life is over. And look at Genesis 32. We're going to start in verse 22. Would you stand and let's read this. The same night he arose took his wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is that to you? Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore to this day the people of Israel will not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, just real quickly, we see that the Lord came here as a wrestler. It's interesting because this right here is one of those moments that, that many theologians, and I believe it's a Christophany. This is a moment that Christ appeared. And, and this is not a problem for us because we know John, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. This is a moment that Christ showed up to wrestle with Jacob. 
is what I believe. And what's interesting in this wrestling match, as, as, as Jesus shows up, Jacob is, 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 is alone. He comes in alone. And, and, uh, and it's interesting because um, when he got alone, God spoke to him. You know, I hear people say all the time to me, Chris, how do I, I want God to speak to me. When's the last time you got alone with him? You know, sometimes we, we struggle with that, don't we? Because, because there's so many distractions in our lives. And, and I want you to see this very important point. That here is Jacob. He sends everybody across the river. He's desperate, and he's alone. And then God, God met him face to face. I pray that we have a habit of getting alone with God. Uh, it's one of my, my prayers that in my own life that I, I, I can consistently get alone with God. We, we struggle with getting alone, don't we? Because when we're alone, some, we can't get away from our failures. But can I tell you, when, when, when you get alone with God, it moves you to habitually confront your failures and your sin and bring it to the Lord. Jacob got alone, and he had a real encounter with the Lord. And this match, this wrestling match, shows us so many things. It shows us that God's personal, that, that confronting God is, in, is imminent, that, that you're, you're, you can't escape confronting God. And, and this, it's interesting that, that Jacob, in this wrestling match, he's injured he, God, Jesus touches his hip socket and he injures him. And you know, the truth is, all of us should kind of walk with a limp. And, and I think that when we get, when we come face to face with God, we have to confront our self-righteousness. That's something I confront. My self-righteousness. That, Lord, Lord I'm not righteous by myself. I can't get away from my sin when I conf- come face to face with God. That's how you can tell you're meeting with the Lord when you are aware of your sin. You're aware of your failures. Your, your pride goes away. Your, your, uh, your hope in your own strength, your own abilities, it goes away. That's where Jacob was. Look back at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. Can you imagine that moment? He sends everybody across, and all of a sudden there's a man there, and he's like, hey, it's, it's personal. It's on, face to face. Let's go. And then, boom, the wrestling match started. Have you ever wrestled? I mean, you, you're, you can't help but get up in the face of somebody you're wrestling. And here he is with God wrestling. Verse 25, when the man, when Jesus saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And, and, and Jacob said, let go then Jesus said, let me, let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I want us to see something really important. When we come face to face with God, God's call in our lives. Do you know that God's call interferes with your life? And I want you to see that. And when God comes to you, he interferes with you. And I love it how God deals with us individually. God will deal with you individually. God will will make you aware of your sin. God will make you adjust your plans. This is what God does when he confronts us. He confronted Jacob. This is what he did, verse 27. And and Jacob is like in this wrestling match, and God said to him, and he says to him, to to Jesus, what what is your name? Oh, no, Jesus said to, to Jacob, what is your name? Did he not know it? 
Did he not know his name? Of course he knew his name. What does he say? He said, my name's Jacob. This was not a good name. This was in a moment where he's admitting, I'm a cheat. I have cheated. I have manipulated. I manipulated my brother. I manipulated my uncle. I have been a manipulator all my life. My name is Jacob. And then Jesus says to him, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he says, why do you ask my name? And there Jesus blessed him. I want you to know something. When you come face to face with God and God interferes with your life, God's call will change you. God's call will bring change in your life. And can I tell you that we desperately need God to change us? And I pray that for all of us, that we recognize our need for the Lord in his life. Jacob is in this wrestling match, and he's holding on to, to Jesus, and, and, and he's holding on to him, and he's like, I'm not going to let go. I know that I need you. I know that I need you to bless me. And it's interesting, right after Jesus injures his hip, right after Jacob is aware of his sin, this personal encounter with God, he, he looks at him and says, you know what, I need you, and I'm not going to let go of you. And I, as I look at Jacob's life, this manipulator, this, this, this one that, was, that did wrong to, to the people that were closest to him, he did something really right here. He... He hung on to Jesus. And I'll tell you, when you come face to face with God, you will see your need for help. You need him. You need Jesus more than you need the next breath that you take. And it's interesting, as, as Jesus looks at him and he says, look, um, I'm going to change your name. Jacob, you know what that name means before this moment? It meant a supplanter, a cheat. But Jesus, in this moment, changed his name to Israel. You're the prince of God. I mean, think about the impact of this moment right here. To this day, the, na- the people of Israel, the nation of Israel still exist, and it came from this moment right here. And when I think about um, Jacob, he walked away with a limp, and, and, and you know, he... Forever he remembered, God, I need you in my life. You know what's interesting? Jacob came face to face with God, and he lost a wrestling match. But you know what's interesting is even though he lost, he won. He won. Now, how's, how does this true? See, how does this play out in our lives? Do you know that... that, that when, when you come to Jesus, Jesus says, I'm calling you to give up everything, to surrender to me. He calls us to surrender. Do you know that, that, that one, of the, one of the failures in, in American Christianity is we compartmentalize Jesus and say, Jesus, you can have this part of my life, but not this. And that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to surrender to his plan for our lives and not go our way. And do you know that when we surrender to the Lord, do you know what we get? Everything. 
And I hear people say all the time, you know, I, I, I can't give up this to surrender to Jesus, but I love what Luke 9, 24 and 25 says, whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And, and you know, some of you may have walked in this room and you're saying, God, I cannot give my life to you. I cannot give my all to you. And can I tell you this moment, this scripture that we've been in today is a moment where a man wrestled with God and he lost. But he won everything. Changed his life. You know, we have a temptation to live for ourselves. This week I watched a man have an encounter with God. On on Tuesday... Um, the ambassadors, our baseball team, they were in Tulsa this weekend. On Tuesday, they played a game in Oklahoma City. And there is a very well-known, probably one of the most well-known baseball coaches in the state of Oklahoma. And um, I don't have permission to tell his name, but I want to tell his story. But um, I haven't talked to him about telling his name, so maybe I will be able to soon. But but he... um, he played against the ambassadors on Tuesday. And um, one of our catchers, uh, Sam, he, Sam Webb is one of our catchers, and, and he's going to OBU, and he's a, just graduated. Um, he's going to be the only freshman on OBU's baseball team this next year. And Sam, it was his turn to share. And he was nervous because that was his team. It was his old team, his, his friends, his old coach, that was there. He's known him his whole life. Sam tells the story on Friday. He told me the story. And he said, he said, I got up to share. I was really nervous. This high school kid, after a baseball game, we beat him on Tuesday, two to, three to two. And uh, he gets up and he, he, he says, um, well, guys, I want to tell you something that God said to me throughout my life. He shared his testimony, how Jesus saved him. And then he said, this summer I've been learning something. I've been learning that I'm not going to have my identity in baseball. I'm going to have my identity in Christ. Baseball is fun, and I love it, and I'm, I'm good. I, God has allowed me to be good at it. But I'm going to hold it like this, not like this. And I've learned that my identity is in Christ. And this, this famous baseball coach is standing there at home plate. He starts crying. He walks up to Sam afterwards, and he, he hugged him. Sam said, I've known this this coach my whole life. He's never hugged me. I've never seen him cry. He cried, hugged me, and said, thank you. He comes up to Cole Cleveland, the guy that's head of the ambassadors, yesterday. They beat us 2-1 to yesterday to knock us out of the tournament. He walks up to Cole after the game, and he says, I want to tell you something. My life was changed this week. He said, on Monday, my wife calls me and says she's going to divorce me because all I am is baseball, and she's tired of it. She, 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 she's done with me. And one of my former players on your team stood up, and, and when he talked about his identity being in Christ and not in baseball, God spoke to me. And I called my wife on, on Tuesday night. And I begged her forgiveness, and I said, uh, God spoke to me today. 
And he said, my, one of my former players got up and talked about his identity is not going to be in baseball. And it hit me. My whole identity is in, being, is in baseball and being a baseball player and then being a baseball coach. That's all my identity is, and I don't want that anymore. It's empty. I need my identity in, 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 in Christ. I want my identity. I want to be a husband, a father. And he walks up to Cole yesterday at Rogers State. And says, God changed my life this week. Have you had a moment where you've wrestled with God and you've listened to Him and you've followed Him? My prayer is that we are a church full of people that say, God, we will meet with you. We will wrestle with you. We will pay attention to you and we will surrender to you. And we will walk with you and we will serve you. We will surrender our plans to you. And we'll go wherever you tell us to go. And we'll do whatever you tell us to do. And there's a reason the Bible says now, later after this moment, that you hear the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because that was the moment that he stopped knowing about God and he came to know him. Oh, do you know him today? Today, you could come to know him.